And grab a seat, everybody. Good morning. We are a little bit more stripped down today. Um, it's fifth Sunday. Let's give our roadie crew a little bit of a week off. And um, so, and it's July. Big deep breath before schedules start again, right? Um, so good to see you. Uh, my name is Ryan. If you're new, next uh, Sunday we are having an all church barbecue. And there's a uh, flyer around your row there. gives you the details of that. Um, if you've never been a part of something around here that we eat at, <laughs> well, you need to be a part of that because people know how to fix some food around here. So we're going to have a great time next Sunday evening. Love for you to be there. Um, and here's the, here's the really fun thing. Uh, the Sunday after that, two Sundays from now, is we actually start using more of a footprint around this place. And, uh, you know, I just want you to know, um, if, you, if you haven't picked this up yet, um, we're not, our goal around this church is not to be a big church. Like, our goal isn't, like, numbers, okay, people attending. Um, that's not really our focus. But our focus is really on what, who God wants us to become as a community, as an individual, um, as a family, and... Um, the byproduct of that is, is we're growing. I mean, we're, we have more families with kids and more people wanting to be a part of that. And so we need to make more room. And with making more room costs a little bit more money. We have to buy a few more things. We have to, to make space, right? And so if that's kind of like something you're excited about, um, as the staff and leadership push into that and push forward, um, I got to tell you, the staff has been working really, really hard. Uh, web development, systems, signage, all these things to make this work. Um, if you would be a part of that with us financially, we would just really appreciate it. And uh, we really got two weeks to make this happen. Um, we've got about a quarter of the money raised to do that. Um, and so if you'd like to do that, you can do that today through a check, you can put make room in the memo, or you can go online um, and do that. But any, any little bit helps. So um, actually, I wanted to do our offering before that. But, <laughs> um, but at some point, you can, um, you can give to that. That'd be great. So I'm going to let our offering come forward. If you're, if you're new, you can just let these bags pass by you. Um, but we are going to take our offering, and, and, um, and this is just another way we, we worship. Okay? All right. Switching gears, there are no screens behind me, which means that if you want to follow along in scripture, you're going to have to use a Bible, I know, right? It's like old school, or um, use your device, which is like kind of spiritual. Um, it's like kind of half points, um, but you can if you'd like. Um, it's better than no points and not using a Bible, right? So if you need a Bible, there should be one on either, at, at the ends of the rows. Um, if you would like one and you don't have one, just stick your hand up and someone will get you one. Does anybody need a Bible? We're going to all, Matt needs a Bible. Someone get Matt and we need, people over here need Bibles. Someone hook them up. All right. We're going to start Acts chapter one. Um, so... Um, Good luck finding that if you're new to the Bible, Acts chapter 1. Um, here we go. I'm going to read chapter 1, verse 1. It says this. In my former book, Theophilus. Okay, this is Luke. He's writing to a friend of his named Theophilus. Anybody going to have a baby soon? Here's a great, great name for you. Girl or boy, it'd probably work. Um, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So real quick recap from last week. If you weren't here last week, um, the Gospel of Luke is the story of all that Jesus began to do and teach, okay? So Jesus, um, I mean, Luke tells the story just like Matthew, Mark, and John. John's is a little bit more of a poetic, uh, a little different language, but for all four of the gospel writers are telling the story of Jesus, all that Jesus began to do and teach 
The book of Acts is all about what Jesus continues to do and teach through his followers. Okay? Does that make sense? First part of the play is Jesus, what he's doing. The second part of the act is Jesus's followers. And, and last week, remember, we talked a little bit, we got a little bit heady. We got a little bit nerdy. We talked about theology. We talked about the incarnation and the fact that God comes down through Jesus as a human being, okay, that, God, that Jesus is both fully God and fully man, but that God, Jesus lays down the God card. Meaning God is, 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 is Jesus is human. Jesus is not omnipresent. Jesus, Jesus is, gets hungry. And we talked about how that Jesus didn't act like he was hungry. He was really hungry. He was a human being. And uh, we talked about how he lays down his God card. And that, and that the Bible talks about Jesus being the Messiah. Which, remember what the Messiah means? Anybody? The anointed one. And the anointed one is the one whose God's spirit is on, when, someone, when God's spirit is on somebody, when they're anointed, when, when God's spirit is on somebody and working through somebody. And we talked about how that exact same spirit is on and in and working through anybody who follows Jesus. And that's like a really powerful realization, right? Now, you're not Jesus, but the same spirit is on you and in you and wants to work through you to carry out the spirit's agenda. And remember, the spirit's agenda, okay, is to carry on the story of Jesus in this world, in and through the followers of Jesus, right? It's not about, hey, I believe in Jesus, now I just do something else on Sunday mornings. It's actually, I follow Jesus, now God wants to, through the Spirit, carry on the story of Jesus through my life, wherever I am, whenever I come into contact with anybody. And so... Continues, verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Remember, this is Jesus with the disciples. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them and he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Notice, uh, or or better, you know, what is, notice who, who is the gift? The Spirit, right? So when the day of Pentecost came, this is fast forwarding here uh, a little bit to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Remember, the disciples are waiting. They couldn't leave Jerusalem. They saw what, they, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And then a little bit further, in verse 37, there's this story that starts to begin. And Peter one of the disciples actually begins to do something. He begins to preach, okay? He begins to announce the kingdom of God, and he stands up in front of thousands of people, and he preaches about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And look what happens at the end of that. Verse 37, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fast forward to Acts 10, um, the, the, the gospel, okay, the announcement of the kingdom, 
pushes out of Jerusalem. It's now made it to Caesarea, hundreds of miles to the north. There's a Roman military officer that actually sends word to Peter. He wants Peter to come um, to his his town. And and Peter shows up and he, he begins to talk about the kingdom of God. And while Peter was still speaking these words, it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, it says, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And these are Gentiles. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift, okay, here's that language again, the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay, had been poured out on the Gentiles for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So who is the gift? The Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is the gift. The Holy Spirit is the one that's an absolute gift to the followers of Jesus. And now, here's the thing. Um, Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage. And I want you to think about all that stuff in the back of your mind because we're going to look in 1 Corinthians 12. And, you know, we did a lot of setting up of this all last week. So if you need to go back, do that. But, and, if, and if you need to set up of the whole series, go back to January on the podcast. But let me start in verse 12, uh, chapter 1, verse 12. It says this. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Another version of that is I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be in the dark. Now, last week we talked about the word gifts. In a lot of your translation, it says the gifts of the spirit, okay? Or spiritual gifts, okay? And last week we talked about how there's no such thing as those two words together in any place in the New Testament. And the reason why the word gifts is there is to make sense of what the Greek translation is. See, this Greek word is pneumaticos, which is basically translated spirituals, which or, or could be translated the stuff the spirit does, the things the spirit does. And the reason why this is really important is really, and I did some digging this last week, There is history when it comes to theology. In the last 30, 40 years, the term spiritual gifts has really made a rise, okay? And it's been used in a lot of different ways in a lot of different circles. And some of those circles have been just mainly to get more people to volunteer in churches. It's kind of like the dumbed-down version, okay? And what has happened is... Over time, things just become just regular speak. And if you're wondering why I'm standing over here, it's because there's light here and there's not there. So I'll I'll jump back and forth across this dark chasm right here, okay? Um, And so for for many years, um, the, the emphasis has been on gifts, like little superpowers that the Spirit gives each one of us. And it's just kind of not totally the full picture. What Paul's emphasis is on is the spirit. And there's been a lot of, and here's this passage we're about to go into, is where some of those lists of spiritual gifts come from. Okay? And so if you were to go online and take a spiritual gifts test, which I've done, you know, and I've told people to go do, and, you know, there's all that going on, and... Um, this is where some of those gifts come from, right? And I'm not making fun of it. I just want to give us a new perspective, okay? Because it's, there's something more going on. Paul's emphasis is not on the gifts. It's emphasis on the gift of the Spirit, and the Spirit is the gift. And the Spirit isn't some fuzzy kind of nebulous mass in the universe, It's not the force, okay? Don't get your spiritual, like your your theology of the Holy Spirit from Star Wars, okay? It's not, the Spirit isn't something that we can conjure up, you know, and, and wield. The Spirit, Scripture says, is a person. The person of God 
living and moving in and on and through the followers of Jesus. In fact, Scripture, there's many pronouns in Scripture about the Spirit being feminine, having feminine characteristics, like, like, a, like a mother's hen, like a mother with her hen, and a hen, a mother's hen, met chicks, there it is, chicks, and, um, <laughs> and stuff like, like, like there's just beautiful pictures about the Spirit all throughout Scriptures being not necessarily male. And that's kind of weird for us to think about, but hear this. The agenda of the Spirit inside of you is not to make you feel good. The agenda of the Spirit inside of you is to push the story of Jesus forward through you, changing you into the lives of other people. So being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did is all about cooperating with the Spirit. And some people think that the Holy Spirit is this vague, impersonal power that gives his followers like superpowers. No. No, no, no. You and I are conduits, right? Now, this is going to sound really bad. But it's, it, I just want you to hear me out. God's love does not end with you, meaning God's no, love is not, you are, a mean, you are not a means to an end. I'm sorry, you are a means to an end, meaning that, that, and I mean that in the best possible sense, that God's love doesn't end with you. It's meant to go through you in your life. And we've been told over and over again in a very individualistic, consumeristic society that, that God loves you and he wants the best for you. And you feel like, oh, that's, it's me. God loves me. And, if, and if, you've probably heard this before. Like, if God could only die for one person, God would die for you. And yeah, that's true, but it's very individualistic. God actually wants to move through you, meaning God's love is poured into you and is meant to be transmitted into the lives of others. And so what we're about to read is about the gift of the Spirit, not the gifts the Spirit, you know, gives to each other. And in verse 7, it says this, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So each one of us, if you follow Jesus, each one means everyone who has switched their allegiance to Jesus can experience moments where the Spirit comes out of the shadows to work through us in a very tangible, powerful way. Given, meaning it's not like earned, and it's not like conjured up, and it's for the common good, meaning it's for the benefit of everybody. It's not for your benefit. It's not for you to walk around and go, you know, I've got the gift of... <laughs> it's not, that's not what it's for. These are the manifestations of the Spirit. Let's read this. To one, there is given through the Spirit, verse 8, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. So Paul's list of how the spirit manifests itself is not exhaustive here. When you read other places, too. Paul is making a point about what the Spirit can do in and through followers of Jesus. So remember, spiritual gifts, you don't have to, it's not what you have or you don't have. Meaning it's not like opening a Cracker Jack box or cereal box and going, check it out, I got, no, that's not what it's for. He's saying there are moments when we're open to God, when we're, when we're listening, when we're when we're present to what God is doing and we're aware of God, that, that God works through you to move the story forward of Jesus. And the Spirit's agenda is only about that. So the plan is we're going to briefly look at each one of these, but we're going to look at them in the context of Jesus' life 
Because if Jesus is began the work, and then part two is his disciples continue the work, we need to see how they fit, okay? So really quick, the first one is a message of wisdom. Uh, the word here is word, logos. Uh, it's a one-time momentary message when God's spirit speaks this kind of one-time message of wisdom through you to somebody else. Meaning, we all need wisdom sometimes, right? We all seeking God in our lives for different things, correct? Like, sometimes scripture is more than enough to give you an answer. Like, should you murder your boss? <laughs> <laughs> Scripture's pretty clear, like, no, you shouldn't murder your boss. Um, any boss isn't, never mind. Um, but there are times when you're looking for wisdom and the scriptures are ambiguous, right? Like, should, should we get married? Should, I, should we move to this place or that? Should I take this job? Should, what should I do in this situation? How should I approach this relationship? Sometimes scripture's just silent about stuff, like really important stuff, like life-changing stuff, right? There's this passage in Mark chapter 12. It starts in verse 13, and you'll, you'll, you'll be familiar with this when I start reading it, but it says, later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity, just kind of setting him up here. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And here's their question. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Right? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Where are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. It's just like this brilliant, amazing comeback to this trap, right? What's interesting about that is this was a genuine question at the time, right? I mean, these are genuine Torah-following Jewish people. And nowhere in the Torah did it say about whether to pay taxes to Caesar. Nowhere. So what do you do? And what I think is interesting here is like we need wisdom. Jesus gives wisdom, right? But sometimes Jesus gives wisdom through other people who either can see our situation from a different perspective, who are able to, like, in a, in a momentary piece, like, just to just sense what the Spirit is saying and give us the right wisdom at the right time. A few years back, Angela and I were um, just praying and praying about planting a church or not and where and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and we had this one day when um, I was just like, I just want this, like, moment, right? Like this, oh, that's it, right? Like I've heard these church planter stories where like, yeah, and then we drove to the top of this hill and it was like the sky opened up on this neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, we didn't get that. And I kept driving around looking for that. <laughs> and one day I was really discouraged and Angela's like, listen, and I really felt like this was a spirit-led conversation. It, 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 Angela's like, we know people, and we love people, and we care about people. Why are we concerned about where when we should be concerned about who? And it was just like, you know, that was like, that was like a, a word of wisdom. And um, it was just, it made, it made the difference. The second one is a message of knowledge. You're like, man, man that sounds the same. <laughs> well, it's actually the same word here, one-time event, when the Spirit puts in your mind something that you could only know through the Spirit. Like there's a story in John about the Samaritan woman. 
And Jesus is, is having this great conversation with her. And he, start, he starts to talk to her about living water. And he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Um, this water, he's pointing to the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become, will, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What does John mean by living water? Anybody know? John's talking about the spirit here. He's actually having a conversation with the Samaritan woman about the Holy Spirit. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What, he, what you have said is quite true. Sir, she said, I see that you are a prophet. <laughs> now we think, oh, well, yeah, Jesus is God. That's why he knew. Remember, the reason why Jesus heals people and Jesus casts out demons and Jesus does all the stuff that Isaiah said he would do is not because he's God. It's because he's filled with the Spirit. You'll be like, but yeah, isn't he God? Yes. But the reason why he becomes human and lives through the moving of the Spirit, it says over and over again, Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says in this story, Jesus uh, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit here. That's why Jesus does all that he does, is because he's, he's consciously aware of the Spirit. Now, here's the thing. I had a friend of mine the other day, this last spring was really heavy on me, just in my life and in, in, in church life, and there was just a lot of heavy things happening in the life of our church, a lot of tragic stuff, a lot of pain, and it started to really, really affect me. And I remember one night coming home from a hospital visit, and um, I couldn't even talk, couldn't even talk to Angela about it. It was just... It was just really heavy time. And, um, and when we were able to talk, she encouraged me to seek maybe some, some Christian therapy, some counseling, um, some things outside of my normal kind of routine of, of recharging. Um, literally the next morning, a friend of mine who I haven't talked to in a long time, his name is Tony Collins. He's, he's in California. And he, he wrote me this text. He said, I woke up thinking about you and your family this morning. I mean, literally, it's been three years. Woke up thinking about you and your family this morning. Felt like the Spirit saying, reach out. He said, make healing a priority in this season. You were on my mind praying for you. Like, how did he know? Right? And so... I pursued that. I pursued that, that therapy, that counseling. Um, and it's been amazing. People, situations come on our minds. They come on our hearts. It's the spirit. Have you ever driven around and going like, oh, I really need to reach out to that person. Or I wonder what's happening here. Maybe that's the spirit saying, you got to get involved. To another faith is the next one. Now, this is not the faith that makes you right with God. This is not like that initial, like, hey, I want to I follow you, Jesus. Um, this is this kind of special, momentary, extraordinary faith where God's spirit shows up and we, we just step out in a huge way. Matthew 17 says this, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, which is kind of like a rough follow-up, right? Um, and it's interesting I've always wondered why he says this, because he's actually talking to Jewish people who actually believe that Messiah is coming, that believe in the Torah, believe in the law, believe 
all this stuff. And um, he says this, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. It says at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So this idea that faith that steps out and allows God's spirit to move through you into other people, here's the problem. The problem is we don't need faith. We're Americans. We have insurance. We have... We <laughs> We have sidewalks and Volvos. (laughs) I mean, our lives are really padded. We have hedged our bets. We have leveraged our lives in such a way that there are bumpers and safety nets. We have insurance for everything, like literally everything. And airbags, <laughs> they're handy. When was the last time you were really up against something and it was straight up impossible? Like really impossible. And the thing is, is that whether you're in prosperity and you have a whole bunch of bumpers and safety nets or you're in poverty, at some point there will be a moment There will be seasons in your life that require faith. Like real, honest, courageous, I've got no other choice faith. When you start to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit pulls you into places where you need to step out in faith. And maybe it's like the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is praying in the garden And he knows where he's headed. And he has faith that he's going to come out the other side of it. And maybe some of us are in in a place of suffering. And you don't know what's on the other side. And maybe this is your faith season. I don't know. Then the next one is gifts of healing. So did Jesus heal people? Yeah, like a couple times. <laughs> Here and there. Like all over, right? Mark 1, it says a man, this is right at the beginning of Mark's gospel, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And there's two different versions of this next line. Some of them says Jesus was filled with compassion. Other ones say that Jesus was indignant. Interesting, right? He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. He's like, of course. Maybe that was where his indignation came from. He said, of course. He says, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. It says immediately. And this is a slippery one, this whole gifts of healing. There's people who claim to have the gift of healing. People on TV with um, what I call Kara's mullets. They have the sweet hairdos. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're not missing out on much. The language is really precise here, and I want you to hear me. It's plural, gifts of healing. It doesn't say gift of healing. Like, I went back to the Greek to make sure. Gifts of healing, meaning there are moments when God dispenses gifts of healing through regular, ordinary followers of Jesus to pass on to other people. And you and I are merely the potential delivery vehicles. And stories when God steps in and God heals people, remember, We are called to pray for healing, and sometimes there is no healing, meaning sometimes there are no gifts of healing. And you need to remember that all healing this side of eternity is temporary. 
We've got to remember that. When we become followers of Jesus, we become people of the future. Okay? Which means that God will heal us. We just don't know if it's in this age or in the age to come. Okay? And God can and does heal through normal, ordinary people who pray. And many of you have heard stories of this. Many of you experienced this. Many of you have been a part of that. The next one is to another miraculous powers, literally the working of powers, where God shows up in amazing ways. There's a passage in Mark 5. It goes like this. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Saying, Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So he didn't make a big spectacle of this. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a a commotion and people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, something in Aramaic, and I'm going to say it in English, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. I love this. See, the majority of the stories that I hear uh, of miracles are coming out of places of desperation. Like non, non-Western places. <laughs> Places of severe poverty, places of persecution. A friend of mine traveled to India, and he was telling me the story. He, he was just, in a, he was just in a, where East meets West, right? So where the Western thinking kind of meets more of the desperation place in, in India. And, and he kept hearing stories of people dying and then people praying for them and them coming back to life. And he was really struggling with this. He was like, kind of like, he kept hearing these stories. And he's about halfway through his trip, and he's with a group of pastors in India. And, and, and if you're like me, and he was like me, and I was a little skeptical, and he's, like, he's, he's whispering to this. He's getting to know this pastor in India, and he whispers to him. He says, I've been kind of hearing stories, right? He's like, I've been hearing stories, you know, of people being dead and coming back to life. And he's like, is that true? And the guy he was talking with like, oh, yes, my wife. <laughs> like, just like matter of fact, yes. And, and he's, like, he's like, she was dead for two days. So we prayed for her and she came back. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he, my buddy's like, what? Like, <laughs> and he's just like asking more and more stories. And it, it's just got us thinking. I was ta- talking to him about this. And it got us thinking. It's like we read, we're really good at like reading our Bible and like going to seminary and then trying to figure out like what scripture says in the context of a very safe, secure, insured, antiseptic life. They read their Bible, pray, do what it says. Right? Like we do this long journey around it. I don't know. I mean, I went to college, right? Like, but scripture is very clear. God is a God of miracles, miraculous, and it all happens today. And some of you are like, well, I don't know about that, but maybe I could pray for a resurrection in my marriage or in a relationship with my father or my mother, or, or maybe, maybe I could pray that God would miraculously reshape my mind from these patterns that I miss. Look to the Holy Spirit to work in miraculous ways. The next one is prophecy. We're going to get there in depth in chapter 14, but here's kind of the short version. God speaks. He is not a silent God. Okay? 
prophecy is not authoritative like scriptures in the sense of like, let me, let me get to this here in a second here. I'll, we'll get to more of this, like I said, down the road. But sometimes prophecy is looking over the horizon to the future. But sometimes prophecy is cutting into the heart and soul of the moment. Does that make sense? So uh, when you hear prophecy, you think of like those weird nut jobs who pick the day that the world's going to end. You know, those guys. Um, like you can tell how I feel about them. Um, <laughs> But listen to Mark chapter 13. This is brilliant. This is Jesus doing two of these things at once, right? Uh, Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the temple, right? And so the massive stones, and if you've ever been, because I haven't, but I've read, um, to Jerusalem, and you can see these huge stones. I mean, these stones were enormous for the temple, absolutely enormous, perfectly shaped, perfectly carved to go in the exact spot. And the temple's, you know, coming together, and it's being built at the time. And in AD 70, the Romans come in and uh, burn the temple down and basically, with a lot of work, throw these, these huge stones down the, the hillside into the valley below. And you can see where these stones are. You can go stand next to them, take pictures of them. So in, in one sense, Jesus tells the future, right? He tells what's going to happen. But in another sense, that's not the point of what Jesus was saying. Jesus' point is you, you were enamored with the wrong things. His disciples were like, wow. And Jesus is like, don't get fired up about that. Don't get fired up, follower of Jesus, about stuff that's not important. Don't get fired up about things in your life. This stuff cuts right to the heart. Through normal people like you and me, to Paul, all followers of Jesus are potential prophets, meaning every one of us, you might have somebody pop into your mind, get a subtle glimpse of who they can be or what God has got for them, and and it could be really normal and down to earth. I have a former student of mine named Justin Dillard, and some of you guys know him, um, huge into baseball, high school baseball, I mean, state champs, scholarship to Yavapai University out in Arizona, and ended up playing at Dallas Baptist. And, and one day, I just, like for about a week, I kept feeling like, I got to call this guy. I got to call Justin. I feel, like, I, I feel like ministry, God has a plan for him in and, and full-time ministry in his future, and I feel like he needs to know that. And I was talking to a friend of mine. He's like, you should call him. I'm like, I don't know. And then he's like, no, you need to call him. And so I call him. And I call him, and he's in the middle of a car ride from Arizona to California. And he's just in a moment in his life, and he's thinking about how much he's given his life to baseball. And I'm like, hey, Justin, I just feel like God needs to tell me that you need to think about ministry. He's like, what? Stupid. (laughs) Like, he's like, he's like, I'll think about it. You know, he hung up the phone. And he's like, about a month later, he's like, dude, he's like, you just like put something in my head. I'm like, I didn't put it in your head. To this day, like this is, uh, God has got Justin in places where the gospel, it, it can just blow up. I mean, he is just coming back. He works for Athletes in Action. He has a number of students that like have come through as he's discipled um, that are now big league ball players. Um, he coaches a team uh, in Rochester, New York for like two months out of the summer. They just won the, 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 the league title. He's, he's on podcasts. He, do, he does all this work with coaches, area coaches about how to disciple their students. I mean, it's just like amazing, right? And it was just all from a small moment where I got to, I got to, taste, I got a glimpse into Justin's life, what it could be, something he did not know yet. It's not like I'm a walk around going, hey, I'm a prophet. I, I don't do that, right? Like, I just couldn't shake this moment in my life. 
Next one is distinguishing between spirits. And this is when the spirit gives you the ability to discern from God what is from man or what is from the gods to know what you're up against. Okay? Mark 8 says this. He began to, to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You guys remember this passage. When Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Okay, real quick, is Peter a bad guy? Is Peter satanic? No. Five minutes before in the conversation with Peter and Jesus, Peter asks them, hey, who do, you, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Messiah. In other versions, it says, blessed are you, Simon Peter. Right? Literally the same conversation. <laughs> Jesus says, but I got to go and die. And Peter goes, no, you don't. And Jesus says, no, you got it. that's not from this world. That's not from the world I come from. That's fear, that's, 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 that's Satan talking. Now, here's the thing. Nobody is perfect. I'm living proof of that. I'm not inerrant. I'll say things from here that you will go, that's a little off. <laughs> um, the question is, is, is this ability for us to go, in moments to go, am I dealing with people? Is this, is this, is this true? Is this, is this from God or is this some sort of other thing? And I just had a conversation this morning with someone who was just like, ah, this didn't feel right, the situation I was in, right? There's two more. I'm going to lump them together. It's the speaking in different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Um, we're going to get more into this in chapter 14 in depth. Uh, the word tongues is actually the Greek word glossa, which is where we get the word glossary. Okay? Um, the short version is that when you worship God, when someone has the ability to worship God in an unintelligible language um, to the people around them and even to themselves, and when the Spirit gives you the ability to understand what you were saying or what somebody else is saying that normal people don't understand. And... All you need to know and remember for today is this. Where does Paul put this on the list of the ways that the Spirit shows up? It's really important because Paul's lists, he does this for a reason. So it's at the end. And what we're going to discover actually in chapter 14 is that the Corinthians, for them, this is the most important thing. This is the litmus test to how spiritual they are, okay? And, um, and that when you, if you're really impressive, if you're really spiritual, then you will speak in tongues. Uh, no one does this today, right? No one says that at all. <laughs> if any of you guys have a background here, um, that, that doesn't happen. Paul puts this at the, at the last part is to say, just relax, okay? Relax. Now, interestingly enough, I don't have a passage of scripture in Jesus' life to talk about this. Nowhere in the gospel does there a passage of scripture where Jesus is speaking in tongues. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't ha didn't happen. I'm just saying there's nothing for me to offer you there today. Um, and it's funny how we make things more important than other things and um, and, 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 and I talk to a number of people who have spoken in tongues, who do speak in tongues in their own personal life, and, um, and they, would, they, would, they would agree with this statement that I'm about to tell you, that this isn't something that really moves the story of Jesus forward in a, in a, in a huge way, right? Um, it's, it's great for, and, and you, can, you can be mad at me about that or whatever, but um, and I'm just going to leave it there, and we'll get into this more here in the future, but... After the stuff, okay, this is a list of all the stuff the Spirit does, right? All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them, listen to this, to each one just as he determines, okay? 
The point today, and we're moments from being done, is when we trust Jesus, when the Spirit is on you and in you and wants to work through you in extraordinary ways just as the Spirit determines. Not as you determine, okay? As the Spirit determines. The Spirit does whatever the Spirit wants, whenever and wherever the Spirit wants. And the wind blows. Jesus talks about the wind blows. You know, we just don't know where this is going to happen, when this is going to happen. So today's text is really tricky, right? Because I can't at the end of this and go, okay, run out there, okay, with your family and friends and start doing it. Start doing the prophecy thing and the word of wisdom and start doing it all because you can do it. No, that's not the point. The point is all you can do is be open Create space in your life and listen. That's what we're going to concentrate on as we finish. Be open. Are you open? Are you open to the fact that God wants to, to work through you? Are you open to the Holy Spirit to be a conduit of God to work through you? Second one is creating space. You and I go at 90 miles an hour. We are just thinking about the next thing on our calendar, the next thing on our daily schedule, the next thing on our list. But every single person that you and I come in contact with may be a receptor of what God wants to do through us. And if we don't create space, we actually miss moments where God wants to move. And the last one is to listen. Eyes open, ears open. Wake up in your, in your morning routine and read your scriptures and all that kind of stuff, but simply listen. What is God saying? Who is God bringing to mind? And so this morning, we're going to finish with a little, bit of, a little bit of worship, but we're also going to finish with this opportunity for you to pray and to be prayed for. And we're not going to, like, you know, set up some, something weird here, you know, where you, don't, you can just stay where you are if you'd like, but, but there's going to be people in our church who are, who are willing to stand, and you guys can get up now if you want, in the different places in the room, and if you feel like, I would like to pray with somebody, I would like to be prayed for by somebody, I would like to connect with the Spirit in that way through each other, I mean, this is what we're going to offer you this morning, Okay? So Elliot and, and the band are going to come up, and I'm going to pray. And, and, and if you feel like doing that, great. Um, we've got people in the backsides, and uh, we just invite you to be a part of that.